So the sight of Matilda reminded you that this is Palm Sunday. I hope you got to meet her. Christine told us so beautifully the story of Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week. You heard that uh, the crowds laid down their coats and cut branches off the trees and laid them in the road so that Jesus, riding on a beast that looked a lot like Matilda, could come in triumphantly. And the people said, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. And our second gospel lesson is also from the gospel according to St. Matthew. This story I'm about to read happens on Wednesday of Holy Week, two days before Jesus died. This Lent at Kenilworth Union Church, we are preaching a sermon series called Lent in Plain Sight when we are looking at following a Lenten devotional looking at common objects in our lives like dust and bread, shoes, coins, thorns, cross, and today, oil from Matthew chapter 26. Now, while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar filled with expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he sat at table. When the disciples saw it, they were angry and said, Why this waste? For this ointment could have been sold for a large sum and the money given to the poor. Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble this woman? You will always have the poor with me, but you will not always have me. She has prepared my body for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached, in the whole world, what she has done for me will be told in remembrance of her. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When we think of oil in our own time and place, we naturally instantly think of crude because it powers everything from jet engines to automobiles to furnaces to the oil tankers themselves. But actually, by definition, any oil is a viscous, unctuous, combustible liquid. All oils are by definition hydrophobic, which is Greek for afraid of water, a fancy way of saying that oil and water don't mix. Oil and water are like Chris Rock and Will Smith. They don't mix. Oil has been integral to human history for 70,000 years, ever since we learned to ignite moss dipped in animal fat for illumination 70,000 years ago. And oil lamps have been ubiquitous in human civilization since 4,500 years before Jesus. It's also central to the American story, right? Moby Dick is all about oil. John D. Rockefeller is all about oil. Standard oil. Bubble and crude. Oil, that is. Black gold. Texas tea. But when the Bible talks about oil, of course, it means olive oil. Someone pointed out that three crops made possible life in ancient Palestine. Wheat, grape, and olive. And of course, then as now, olive oil was used in cooking, but also in medicine, right? It was used as a salve for a rash or a wound. And when a king was crowned, he was christened with oil, which is why we call Jesus of Nazareth the Christ, which is Greek for the anointed one. Christ is related to chrism, which means oil. 
And also, I learned this week that oil in the first century was central to the cosmetics industry. It was a base for mascara and rouge and a vehicle for the fragrance of perfume. Did you know there was a thriving cosmetic industry in first century Palestine? And so Matthew tells us the story of Jesus having for dinner on Wednesday of Holy Week, two days before he dies. He's having dinner at a friend's house in Bethany, which is a suburb of Jerusalem. And this anonymous woman crashes the party and dumps an entire flask, an alabaster flask of expensive perfume all over his head and beard. It must have been quite a mess. Now Matthew doesn't tell us what precisely she dumped on his head, But the Gospel of Mark tells us that it was an ointment of oil and nard. Nard is an herb from the Himalayas, which, when it is distilled, when it's crushed, puts off an intense, musky, warm scent. In the Hebrew Bible, the Song of Songs calls nard an aphrodisiac. Go figure. Matthew doesn't precisely tell us what he She poured on his head, and he doesn't tell us how much it costs. All Matthew says, it was very expensive. But Mark tells us that very expensive means 300 denarii, which means that by today's valuations, it was worth, get this, $30,000, or maybe as much as $40,000, which makes you see that the disciples' horrified question has a point. Why this waste? We could have fed 5,000 poor people with this money. And so now you know the connection between crude oil and olive oil. All oils are expensive. A barrel of Brent crude is going for about $100 right now, which means that if you stop at the Shell station in my neighborhood, you will pay $4.65 for a gallon of gasoline. It will take you $80 to $100 to fill up your SUV. This woman dumped thirty grand on Jesus' head. It looks just like a waste. But we all know that love is expensive, right? Matthew's story is about paying requisite tribute before it's too late. It's about saying goodbye before it's too late. Look! Everybody else in the passion story is clueless about who Jesus is, what he means, and what's going to happen to him. The disciples are clueless. They think this woman's extravagant gesture is a waste. The Pharisees definitely get him wrong. Judas Iscariot gets him wrong. Pontius Pilate gets him right, but is too craven to do the right thing. And the Roman soldiers are completely clueless. Only this woman understands why he's come, what he means, and what's going to happen. She understands that he has come for her. She understands that he has come for them. She understands that he has come for all of us. And so when the disciples complain about her extravagant gesture, Jesus says, leave her alone. You will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. She has prepared my body for burial. And so this is a story about saying goodbye before it's too late. So many people have gotten us to where we are. Yes? We couldn't have done it without them. 
Someone in your life has known you and seen you and loved you and understood you from the very beginning. They know why you're here. In some cases, they have worked and sacrificed and burned the midnight oil to provide what we need to flourish, including a college education. But we never tell them. William Barclay says that life is the history of lost opportunities to do the lovely thing. Yes, life is the history of lost opportunities to do the lovely thing. So maybe this Holy Week you will take an opportunity to do the lovely thing. The other day after the U.S. Senate confirmed Ketanji Brown Jackson as the newest justice on the Supreme Court, the New York Times interviewed several accomplished, accomplished young women who might succeed her one day, including Christina Colburn, a student at Harvard Law, who said, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. I love the way she puts that. She is, she says, her grandmother's wildest dream because her grandmother was probably a domestic somewhere. Christina says to consider how their work made our lives possible and that we take it all for granted. You're somebody's wildest dream. Don't take them for granted. I've got time for one last... I'll be honest with you, full disclosure, I don't know if I should tell you this story. It's too small. Next to Matthew's expansive story. But whatever, I'll let you sort it out. Drew Dudley tells this story. Drew Dudley says that as a young man, he was a student at a small college in New Brunswick called Mount Annalison University. And Drew tells this story about what happened on the last day of his time at Mount Allison University. A fellow student came up to him and she said, you don't remember me. We haven't spoken for four years, but we met on the first day of class at the beginning, four years ago. I was terrified. I brought my mom and dad with me because I was so scared. I thought this was a mistake. I didn't think I belonged here. And I was about ready to tell them that we needed to go home. We made a mistake. I'm not someone who belongs here. And just then, she says, you walked out of the student union building wearing the stupidest hat I've ever seen. It was awesome. And you were carrying a bucket of lollipops. And you were promoting students fighting cystic fibrosis or something like that. And you were handing these lollipops to all the students who were standing in the registration line. And then when you got to me, standing next to my mom and dad, you stopped and you stared. It was creepy. And then you looked at the guy standing next to me and you said to him, you handed him a lollipop, you said to him, you need to give a lollipop to this beautiful woman standing next to you. And this guy was just mortified. She says, I've never seen somebody get so embarrassed so fast. He turned 50 shades of red, but he took the lollipop and he wouldn't even look at me. He handed it out, wouldn't even look at me like this. And I, was, felt, I felt so bad for the guy that I took it. And when I did that, you stopped and you got a stern look on your face and you turned to my mom and dad and you said, Look at that. Look at that. 
first day away from home and already she's taking candy from strangers. <laughs> and then everybody around just burst into laughter. 20 feet around, everybody who heard it just howled. And this young woman says, it was in that moment that I said, I can belong here. This can be home for me. And I decided to stay. And it was the right decision. That was four years ago, and we haven't spoken since. But I heard you were leaving, and I just wanted to tell you that you've been an incredibly important person in my life, and I'm going to miss you. And then this young woman turns away from Drew, and she walks away about six feet, and she stops, and she turns, and she smiles, and she says, Oh, by the way, Drew, I thought you ought to know, four years later, I'm still dating that guy. <laughs> Such a tiny story placed next to Matthew's expansive story of this woman who paid Jesus the requisite tribute before it was too late. And yet, she said goodbye to him in a proper way and told him how important he was to her life. Truly I tell you, Jesus says, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached, in the whole world, wherever in the whole world the gospel is preached, this will be told in remembrance of her. We don't even remember her name. She was anonymous. We don't remember her name. But we remember what she did, and we remember how she loved, and we won't forget till he comes again. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.